0: Welcome to Courageous Womanhood with Shalise Allen Millett, where we believe every woman has a story to tell. Okay, I'm here with Kate Buck. She is the clinical director at Family Strategies and is a licensed therapist. Yes. Yeah. So, Kim, I heard recently on a podcast talking about pro-dependence. Mm-hmm. Totally new word to me, totally new concept to mm-hmm. me. So what is the best way to explain it? How do, you <laughs> Such to how do you explain it? Do we need to start by explaining what codependence is
1: or start with prodependence? You... Well, maybe we'll start with pro- prodependence. Okay. okay. I think it's easier and then Perfect. we can kind of go back and talk about okay. why, where it came from. But yeah, um, prodependence is just a new treatment paradigm for family members or partners or loved ones. of uh, those who are struggling with chronic illness, um, off, most of the time, chronic mental illness, like, um, addiction is a mm-hmm. chronic illness. Um, it could be schizophrenia, bipolar. It doesn't matter. It could be anything that is just a chronic struggle for somebody. And being in a relationship with somebody who chronically struggles can be really difficult, as most yeah. of us know. Who of us have not had a struggling loved one of right. some sort?
0: Well, and that's so. And you're not even talking spouse. You're talking anybody. Your child, talking parent, child,
1: yeah. brother, or sister. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so, um, traditionally, um, probably for for about the last 40 years, the only treatment, um, therapeutically, I'm a licensed therapist. And so I treat, um, family members. Oftentimes I'm, I'm an addiction specialist. So I treat, I treat family members and partners and spouses of those that are addicted. Um, you know, the only treatment model that's really been available to people is a codependent like healing from codependency. Um, and in the last few years and even early on a lot of people push back on some of the concepts with codependency Um, even I in my own work was like wait what some of the concepts but it was the only thing available and if that's what gets me better tell me what to do right right Um, and there's a lot of good things in codependency and a lot of good um, healthy teaching around how to get better Um, like uh, setting healthy boundaries and saying no when you need to and but um, there was also this concept and kind of built into codependency, a couple of concepts that were really hurtful to people, yeah, like you are uh, something's wrong with you because you love somebody, yeah, like you just need to cut them loose, right, you know, just let them go. Yeah. You do you, let them do them, and right. and um let go with love, but just let go, right, and, and then there's this basically con- give up on them, yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah. you're only healthy if you tell them. No. Right. And let them, right. let the streets have them, let the rehab have them, yeah. whoever. Yeah. Um, that you're unhealthy because you love, you're unhealthy solely because you're in a relationship with somebody. Right. And most people are like, wait a minute, that's somebody I love. That's yeah. my child. How, yeah. What am I going to do? So that doesn't feel, didn't feel very good for yeah. people. And then there was also this kind of idea that you had to, um, I do know, that you were sick, you were addicted to the person who's addicted. Right. But your attempts to help somebody makes you addicted to them. Yeah. Which is like, what? Right. I don't, I don't have an addiction. That's right. not much. I have my struggles. But right. That's not one of them.
0: So, so it's making their, because they make the choices they make, you obviously are sick too. Mm-hmm. Type of idea. And
1: your attempts to help, like to try and help them means you're overly involved. Right.
0: Even Your, though they would be normal, normal
1: responses. Right. Who wouldn't try and find a therapist for a hurting child? Right. Or try and find a, um, a support group for a spouse who's off the rail. Right. Like, to me that's sort of some normal response. Yeah. But you, there was really the partners and loved ones are being pathologized, meaning given a diagnosis. Yeah. You are, and codependence has never been a diagnosis. Interesting. It's never been in a diagnostic manual, but there's 430 plus books written about right. and it. And um, people will, hi,
0: I'm, and I'm a codependent.
1: Yeah. Like They label themselves as right, a codependent. Right. And that was a big thing. Everyone, yeah. I'm a co-worker, co- co-, right, you are a co-worker. Know, right, right. Because my daddy was an alcoholic. This, yeah. You know, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was kind of a pop culture thing that caught on really strongly in the late 70s, early 80s. And... It's kind of carried through. Yeah. Over the last few years, some of us who work in the field are just like, no, I'm not teaching that anymore. That just doesn't right. feel right. So we've sort of adjusted. We use some of the things that are good and we kind of have just not used the things. But that's, you know, uh, sometimes a rose by any other name still arose. Right, right, <laughs> you right. Have right. To be careful. Yeah. Because we're redacting. And so um, Dr. Robert Weiss uh, came out with a book. Came out with the concept of prodependence back in October of, of 2018, and um, I happened to be in school with him, so I heard the concept a little earlier than the release of the book and uh, and the concepts around prodependence. And I was hooked immediately because yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my pop. This is who yeah. I work with all the time, and and even for myself, I'm like, oh, this is. This this makes sense.
0: So this is taking all the good things of codependency,
1: but it's rejecting
0: all the things that never felt right Right. in the first place.
1: And it's kind of reordering treatment. So I we can talk more about that. But it's cool. It's just it's just such a kinder, more gentler, more gentle um, approach to somebody who is already in an extraordinary amount of pain because they're. Loved one is failing. Right. They're they're hurting. They're right. They're losing them. And their attempts to hold on to them is being told that's sick. Right. Right. Or
0: or it's your fault. I mean, I remember the first time, you know, so and so is doing this while well, you let them. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Right? Like if I'm let does that mean I also can control them not if I'm letting them, can I make them stop?
1: So here comes the old enabling word. Right. I'm an enabler. Right. So I'm sick
0: yeah I'm sick and mm-hmm. and then it goes back to the spouse like somehow it's your fault, yeah, and you so that part of codependent that's the part that I always fought against it's was hard. like somehow it was my fault that mm-hmm. everyone around me you know was depressed or
1: anxious or you know whatever mm-hmm. their
0: thing was well, that's because you because you're an and if you would just
1: be healthier then then they right right how yeah. is that like how do we yeah. certainly we all i think all of us. You know, good looks in the mirror are good. <laughs> right, We right, have to right, go, right. like, what's healthy for me and right. what's not? And I think, you know, people who are pretty emotionally healthy do that on occasion. Yeah. You know, they check their, their, themselves yeah. in and then they go, ooh, that wasn't a good reaction. Right. But, but and there is
0: a point where you are contributing. But when be. someone comes to you in the very first, you know, my spouse has, you know, a sex addiction. And the first
1: thing they hear was, well, what's you're your contributing because... Mm-hmm. That's the last thing they need to hear, in my opinion. So you must be really addicted to him because you you want to stay married to him or her. Right, right. Why would you be addicted to somebody because you don't want to lose your connection with them? Right. That's not the definition of addiction. Right. That's not the definition at all. Yeah. So, yeah, that, you know, and obviously people want to push back on that and I don't blame them. Right. Um, Did you push back? Well, I've pushed back against a lot of those notions for a really long time. and. But like I said, sometimes you only know what you know. Right. And I'm kind of one of those people, and certainly in my professional career, when new research and new information and something that's better for a client comes out, I feel just a total heartfelt responsibility to move with it. I can't just be like, well, this is what I've always done, so I'm going to keep doing it if it causes harm. Yeah. I I just can't bring myself to do that, no matter how much I was bought into something else. Right. I feel like it's my moral obligation to keep moving forward, and, yeah. you know, and and uh, bringing forth information that will be helpful yeah. to the people that I serve and treat. Right. So, so I loved dependence from the get-go, and it's kind of a tidal wave right now, a little bit. It's kind of this wave that's waving through the recovery and therapeutic world, and hopefully, we will continue to yeah. go throughout, you know, culturally adopted um, and understood by more people
0: are you getting pushbacks from clinicians about codependency versus codependency um very little very little very little
1: they're they're grateful for it they're they're like yes relieved to hear it most people are like i was they're like oh thank goodness something this makes sense you know like i I haven't been using this kind of codependency for a long time but you just brought something forward that's totally new and this this makes sense to me yeah so essentially pro-dependence instead of approaching what's wrong with you and you're sick let's get you into treatment because you're the partner or the loved one we say wow your life is in major crisis right and I can see you've been doing all sorts of things Uh, go you right to try and save this person's life and you know how lucky is this person to have someone who loves them so much so I'm wondering what we can do together to um, continue to help the one you love in the best way for you and for them. Wow. Maybe the attempts that you the attempts to help aren't that helpful. Right. Maybe they actually have the opposite effect. Or maybe you have to make some big decisions about this relationship for yourself. Right. Maybe but and so maybe we need to evaluate the ways in which you love but go you for loving. Like yeah. yay you for trying so hard to save And hold on to your relationship. Most people are in absolute trauma when they come in, and somebody has done something to pull pull at those bonds. Right. They're just in trauma. Right. So we really, really go back to the very basics of crisis intervention, and just how can we help you get grounded? How can we help you breathe? Wow. Let's get some air in your lungs. Let's figure out. Step one, yeah. what do you need and how do you keep your bond and your connection with right. them while still taking care of yourself? Right, and Letting go of somebody goes totally counterintuitive to attachment and what we know about attachment. Yeah. We need people. We need people. Or we would be alone, I would assume. Right. right, right. <laughs> There would right. be people around. Right. <laughs> right. So I think um, a lot of our research, we understand that we are only as healthy as our closest and um, our closest and healthy pair bonds and connections with other people. That is such a big uh, component of mental health. Right. And when people are isolated and alone and um, left on their own, they struggle mightily with whatever it is more than they do when they're in connection with somebody right I mean it's we just know that from tons of research I just need people to see me I need somebody who could relate on some level to where I am and what I go through and there's something magical that happens when you find your tribe your people who they they might not necessarily understand every detail but that can just show up in a non-judgmental way and and say I got you I totally get um where you are because what happens Brene Brown our our fun, Brittany Brown talks yes, a lot about <laughs> you know shame, resiliency, and and yeah. um, but she, so much of her work has to do with showing up and yes. being seen and challenging that belief system we have inside of us that right. I'm broken and something's wrong with me. Yeah. Nobody would ever understand, right? And so, w- if we told somebody who's in relation to an addict, just drop them, okay. or, or, or a struggling person, just drop them. Do you be a, right. go? Do you be your own person? We're essentially telling them to detach from their primary mm-hmm. attachment, which um, I don't think the outcomes are usually very good. No. In fact, oftentimes the relationship doesn't make it because of the attachment, right. the detachment. Yeah. Um, and relationships still might not make it. Right. They might not, and that's okay. Right. But at least, um, at least you were, you worked on the attachment and the bond while you were healing what right. you, you needed to heal. So we we'll do right. really talk about. We don't tell spouses anymore. Codependency also told spouses and family members that they needed recovery. Yeah, you know they need to they need to consider their own sobriety. I don't. If you're not an addict, how are you? Need what's sobriety about? Right. So it also makes everyone in the world an addict. Yeah. Because I
0: don't know anybody that doesn't know someone who has a mental. Thing that they struggle with this at some point in their life so our addiction's
1: makes, rampant in our right, society right, for sure right but yeah if loving somebody is not an addiction then we don't treat you like an addict we might talk about you know what healthy grounding behaviors do you need to have in your life so you can handle you know what's going on yeah. um what kind of balance what kind of support what kind yeah. of you know all that kind of thing but we don't talk about your sobriety and you know your slips like yeah that just doesn't resonate for most family members and partners they'll do it if they have to because that's all they've been taught right right so we're just super excited to introduce a new um and just a new paradigm for treatment so this isn't a new label you might consider people call themselves codependent, right? They're not going to call themselves. We're not hoping people call themselves a pro-dependent. Okay, that's that. not a label. Some somebody of you, said that, right? I'm a protependent. I'm a How about I'm just a person who loves somebody? Right. who Struggles. Um. We don't yeah. need a label. We don't have to diagnose. We don't have to put a put. And that's sometimes we want to put people in categories, right? Brene talks about that too. What box are we in? What category? Yeah, do We yeah, belong yeah. to instead of we're just human race and yeah, having this experience and. Um, and you may have, people may have co-occurring disorders, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes people who are in relation to somebody who's struggling um, might develop PTSD, right. they might develop depression or anxiety, but loving and being in the relationship alone is not diagnosable. Yeah.
0: Love is not
1: a diagnosis. It, yeah. Thank goodness.
0: Right, right, <laughs> right. Because we all need that connection. Yeah. So how, how can, can that Most be? of us love
1: right and and most of us struggle at some point right you know at different points in our life and we need connection we don't need withdrawal yeah we don't need isolation right like you talked about a minute ago like it was it's getting with other people yeah
0: and I love the idea that someone comes in and they've been through this trauma like you said they're there because they've been through this trauma they're you know whoever they love has a mental illness or an addiction and the first thing you say is, I see you, and that this is a struggle for you and this is mm-hmm. hard for you. And I'm not gonna tell you, well, stop doing this and stop doing this. And if you just didn't do this, then you're gonna be fine. It's mm-hmm. I see you mm-hmm. that you're that you're hurting and I applaud all of your efforts, no matter what they are, and more I see the intent of your heart when you're doing these behaviors, whether they're healthy behaviors, and we'll talk about that late you know, later. Yeah. But let's talk about
1: why you're doing them love them, and you want to help. I, I just I love that. Like yeah. I think when people receive that, well, yeah. they're like, thank you. So yeah. I come in and I'm, I mean, metaphorically, I'm bleeding. Right. And you don't run me back over with the truck. Right. <laughs> right. You're just saying here here's here, let's bandage you up and right. let's start the healing process. Yes. And, um. Oftentimes, too, in codependent, we would immediately start talking about your family of origin, and um, we yeah. start analyzing, like, tell me, did you have a dad who did this, or this? Right. And if people are in crisis, going back and doing that type of work is not the right timing. Yeah. They may
0: or may Carrie, you're in <laughs> trauma. Let's talk <laughs> about all your trauma. <laughs> Let's bring it all, up, all right. up.
1: So they may need to do that. Right. They want to do that, but that's not the time. Right. So so dependence is really a, um, maybe the first initial stages of coming or, 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 discovering that you have a struggling person, or going in to get help for, yeah. for that. And so those first three to six months of just regrounding, getting through the crisis, and then, and then with a good therapist, or, um, you can figure out that now. Where, where do I go? Right, do right. I need more. Is this yeah. okay? Yeah. What behaviors everybody. are helping? What behaviors are making it harder? You know, codependents would also say things like. Kind of, that would imply that your work, because of your own past history and your issues, that you're sort of playing out your own neuroses in your relationship. Um, Not very nice either. No, no. There could be, there could be similarities to your past, to your present, but usually someone in crisis doesn't want to hear that. No. You know, Um, and again, not a very nice...
0: Right. Yeah. And a hopelessness in that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's where you came from, so it's what you're I'm doing, doing it again, in. And probably gonna do right. it again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we kind of, it's kind of a black cloud over that whole thing. And so let's just get through the moment and let's yeah. get you back to function and being able to make decisions and out of the crisis and the PTSD or trauma response right. you might be having. Then you can decide, well, is there some stuff here I want to work on? Because right. not everybody who is in a relationship with a struggling person, particularly an addict, has historical trauma. And that is something we have um, been told for a very long time. Wow. I have met many people in my career who do not have a lot of childhood wounding, right. but still have married somebody who has struggled. Right. Or or been in relationship to somebody who struggled. That is not always the indicator right. that there is past trauma. And so it opens, you know, And a lot of people, it is. There is some connection and relation, and we'll deal with that when we're ready. But some people, there's not. There's really not. And I think we have to stop pushing that agenda on everybody if it doesn't apply. Right.
0: Well, well, I'm thinking there's also this, you know, they didn't come from childhood trauma, and then they married someone. They're blindsided. They have zero tools to deal with it because they haven't developed any because they haven't needed to
1: yet. Because a lot of times you come from that, you have learned how to manage crisis. right. Yeah. So you're true. Right. So these these things that are that are difficult would yeah. become these Right there would right. be no frame of reference There's, for that Yeah, difficulty. There's
0: no coping mechanism mm-hmm. when you have your first fight because your parents never fought. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something's wrong with parents. Or you never, never saw first your
1: parents' fight. Right. <laughs> right, right. Or have a disagreement yeah. or work out or right. resolve something difficult. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. So but, but I love this because it it's ugh. It's more, it's more of a, a moving forward method. Mm-hmm. Let's see how we can heal instead of a, well, let's see why you're like this and what's really wrong with you. Yes. It's let's just sit where you are now and see what we can do better for you
1: yes. instead of spending all our efforts behind. Or just going right into all that analyzing. Right. The, who is in a trauma response is ready to analyze? No. You're just trying to breathe. Right. Right. Sleep. Right. Remember to eat. Right. What street to turn on to get home. Right. Like you're you're in the part of your brain we call limbic, the part of yeah. our brain that um, isn't always like exact. I'm not in my executive function. I'm not always right. thinking clearly when I'm in a trauma response. Yeah. So we just got to get all that response to go down and right. then figure out what's what's our what what do we have here. Right. And let's figure out what feels right for you. Where do you want to go? Yeah. I will say though pushback if we get any pushback would be from addicts and not big pushback but like oh great you took away the last thing right that I could blame right right <laughs> my wife is crazy right you know I come home and all she does is grow me right. or she She's threw scared. all my stuff outside or right so of know, course I acted out exactly right. so sometimes people yeah. can use that as a justification and I have had addicts say oh great that was the last thing I could right point my finger right. at, which really is a loving thing because yeah now they can Look now they're really taking and responsibility. Better. Yeah. And I think it's so important for family members who are dealing, or partners who are dealing with someone with a chronic, especially chronic mental illness or addiction, there is nothing you have done, could do, or will do yeah. that will cause somebody to act out. Right. You could be screaming me me every day. Not that that's healthy or good. Right. That's still not, their, their behavior is not yeah. your responsibility. Yeah. Only yours. Right. And you need to decide what's healthy and what's not healthy. Right for you and but that whole concept that what you do somehow fuels that's erroneous yeah we we all make our decisions right certainly we can get in a toxic situation with each other and do things that are not helpful to the relationship yeah but we ultimately are
0: not responsible i think that that idea feeds the trauma anyway especially i think for friends i watch through go their husband has a sex addiction and they find out about it if only i had been this, if only I'd looked like this, if only I had behaved like this, if only I'd done this more, then he wouldn't have turned to, you know, pornography or other or sexually addictive behavior. Um, and and so all the, they are, part of the trauma response I watch for them is to blame themselves. Right, right. And then you go into a clinician who says, well, yeah. You're right. codependent, so you're, you're p- enabling, right? And
1: part of this, and
0: so all of their worst fears that it's partly their fault because they weren't enough of whatever mm-hmm. is being supported by a cl- clinician
1: mm-hmm. in the codependent model. Could definitely do that, yeah. and I like I said, I think a lot of clinicians have organically moved away from that without a knowing, like, we're not really grabbing on we're just right. creating something different. It just didn't feel right, so we, we just, just knew, do like, it. this isn't right, yeah. And in a few years back, um. Barbara Steffens came out with a partner-sensitive treatment model that really is a betrayal trauma model, yeah. um, which has been, um, it has fundamentally changed a lot of what we do with partners. Yeah. Um, pro-dependence, I think, just actually goes even before that. So even before you start the trauma, you're, you're treating trauma right. from the beginning, but this actually pulls us back even into the very first moment their foot walks in the door, um, to get help from a clinician. Right. Um, it even just starts with crisis intervention, recognizing the trauma response going right. on in the moment. Um, but Barbara Stefan's Barbara group is called ABSATS, it's people who are trained to treat partners okay. um, of sex addicts. Um, they've done a whole lot of great work about it, and I just think ProDependence and their work just, it, it's, it's really an attachment-based, strength-based model. Right. We're not coming from a deficit. Something's wrong with you because yeah. you have a trauma. We're coming from yeah. a strength. Look all the things that you've done to love yeah. and look at your capacity to love right. and to help. Now, and how
0: strong you were for getting through this and yeah. sticking with it. And Exactly. Yeah.
1: And now how can we help you?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it seems to me also to shy away from um, kind of going back to, you know, trying to diagnose and look back. That feels a little bit blame-based to me, which... Yeah. You know, let's, what can we blame it on in your past? Mm-hmm. What can we blame it on that, you know, that made you marry someone because you're codependent? Yes. And we all know that, um, well, we don't all know, but some of us believe mm-hmm. me, that blame for me is a form of control. Mm-hmm. If I can figure out who to blame, I can figure out how to control
1: it so it doesn't happen again. So it's this false kind of sense of safety. Yeah. I can create a safer outcome. Right. For myself if I have something to, to blame it on. Yeah
0: yeah Mm -hmm. and and it's not um i think blame also creates more negativity and bitterness and anger instead of in fact when my husband and i have a conversation it starts to get we have to say, are we blaming or are we trying to move forward to resolve the issue because as soon as we go to blame yeah
1: which really if you think about in the in the broadest sense blame is really about content like we're talking about like things, right? Where we're really, when we're when we're struggling to connect, we're really protesting our disconnection. Yeah. We really just want to be heard or seen. Yes. And, but then we go to because ABC, all this content right, 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 in right. the right. past or current, yeah. Where we just really have to say, I'm just sad because I miss you. Right. Or I just I just feel like you're really distant and I don't know how to connect. with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it's easy to stay in the right up here in the content. Yeah. And, you know, and it's true. I feel like. Um, in the very real sense, when people are in crisis in this way, um, I mean, their life has just fallen. The floor has just fallen out from under them. Whether it's a spouse or a child, or and they are just grabbing anything they can to hold on to this yeah. person that they love. Yeah. And um, and oftentimes, if they're in a spiral of addiction or something like that, they're pulling. They're pulling, and the person loving them's pulling right. them in, and they're pulling away. Right. And and that's just a very frightening experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we don't need to pin it on anything. We just right. have to say, gosh, this is super scary when this happens. Right. And how do we love effectively and what's the best way for us to help? Right. And and by no, no means is pro suggesting that you can somehow fix or save somebody by your help. We're not saying that. Right. <laughs> because that's <laughs> erroneous too. Right. But also the desire to do that and the attempts to do that aren't, wrong no. or or diagnosable
0: i think they're very human absolutely right? right i think they're very you know like i talk about my mother heart like my mother heart really can't mm-hmm. totally turn away my child because they're
1: struggling yeah. you know with an addiction or something yeah, or whatever they're going through. It's like, yeah. you know, you just do you. Like, that doesn't... Yeah. I'm just going to detach with right. love. Right, I'm going to try not love you too much. I don't right. know how that's... Right. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible as a mother. I don't, <laughs> Certainly I don't we know can life. show our love in right. not and have healthy them. places. Right, right, right. Not healthy ways. Yeah. But loving too much, right. Yeah. Is that a thing? I don't I don't think...
0: I don't think in it is. In the codependent
1: movement, it was a thing. Wow. We love too much. It's like, ooh, well, there's a... Yeah. This is a society, a planet, of people who love too much just jettisoned me there. Yeah, that's the one <laughs> I, like I want to live there. there. That's the one <laughs> I want to live I think we <laughs> lack a lot of that right. in the world we live in. I don't right. know that we could have too much love and care for each yeah. other. I think we have essentially gone the other way. Yeah. We become very, oftentimes, very self-focused. Right. Which causes a lot of our maladies in society. Yeah. We don't notice the hurt around us. We only right. can see our own. Yeah. And... Um, I don't think we want a society of people who are only looking right at their own pain, right? Right. And that are afraid to love too much. Yeah. I can't help you because I might be loving too much. Yeah. I can. This just this is, doesn't even it's hard to even say. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't resonate. Doesn't jive. <laughs> no. So so that's kind of this the movement is big and exciting and yeah. um uh, like I said, Dr. Rob Rice wrote the book and right. Prodependence, uh, moving away from codependency. Um, it's on Amazon or any place you want to find it. But um, he and I are co-authoring kind of an applicate a workbook, so people can buy the general public and they can apply the principles. In oh, their own that's life. fantastic! So they don't need to necessarily go to a class or a support group. Not necessarily. Okay, they could. A workbook. We're going.
0: Yeah, ta- talk to me about that. Going to a program, how much more beneficial? How Needed and beneficial is that in this
1: situation? Um, it's going to be big. It's huge. Yeah. Um, we, we're we going to try and create a clinical, you know, some clinical training and okay. guide for clinicians. So, you know, because we don't want to give it to the public and then go to their therapist and right. the therapist go, I don't know what that is. Right. So obviously there needs to be both. And yeah. so our goal is to try and get that information and disseminate that information and give workable uh, tools and workable programming yeah. for the public and the clinical world. For, clinician, for mm-hmm. clinicians. So it's a big undertaking, yeah. but not difficult because yeah. we're really just kind of reordering the way we did things before. Yeah. So I don't, you know, we do trauma work at the, if needed, at the very end. We don't, right. you, trauma meaning past historical trauma, yeah. or or we talk about um, setting boundaries, of course, throughout the whole process, right. but that's not expected week one or week yeah. five or, you know, Right. That's going to be down the road a little bit. Yeah. Um, so the concepts won't necessarily be new to pe- to anybody, it's just yeah. the way, the order we put them in, the language we use. Right. We have definitely moved away from all the codependent language that is so blaming and shaming yeah. and ugly, frankly. Right. Um, and so that language will no longer exist in that world and it, from the codependent perspective. And so, um, and we're in no means, by no means trying to villainize codependency. Right. Um, I think any of us who ever did codependent work got better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we healed over time. Right. Um, there was some hard stuff to, you know, right. to kind of digest in that process. Yeah. So most of us are very grateful for any of the healing we have. But, boy, if there's an easier way and we right. can provide a, a smoother path that is, causes less harm, why yeah. wouldn't we do that?
0: Well, it, and it's really, it sounds like you took codependency and you said, these are all the really good parts about codependency. Let's build on them mm-hmm. and make it even better. Yeah. We're not throwing just, one out or the other. We're right. just, we're, we're rejecting, rejecting the, the that's that, blaming that we kind of already rejected yeah. anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think Rob came along and put words to what a lot of us were, Yeah. you know, words and research and things to what we were already feeling and already right. moving in that direction. Um, so I think he just, you know, kind of shoved us to the front, yeah. you know, so, so it's, it's very exciting work. So hopefully in this next year, um, we'll see more things come out yeah. that will, um, you can buy and, and hopefully even if, um, I, I, I work at Family Strategies in yes. Mesa, Arizona and we have a program there called Sabre, uh, sex addiction and betrayal recovery. So it's a big program we've had for over 15 years. Yeah. Um, um, and we have a lot of participants, and it's kind of a group-oriented program. Yeah. Um, we have groups for partners, people who are uh, married or in relation or in a relationship, committed relationship with an addict, sex addict, and we have mm-hmm. sex addict groups. Mm-hmm. So um, we've rewritten the curriculum for the partners from a pro-dependent perspective, and so we have some of the first groups there yeah. that are getting this kind of new new yeah. treatment, and we're about six months in with it. And, um, such good feedback. Yeah, and the healing seems to be happening. Um, it's like they're not fighting us. Right. They're not trying to prove to us they're not crazy. Right. You know, which I felt like they were doing. Like yeah. I'm not crazy. Right. I just, you know, my husband did this and this and this, right. and I'm really hurting. And not that we thought they were crazy, but no. I felt like they were having to fight against those labels. Right. Well, and, because
0: I think the truth too is people who are married to addicts are often gaslighted too. They're often told it's their fault already. So they're walking in fighting this idea
1: that they're crazy. Exactly. So <sighs> big time. So they the last thing we want to do is create more barriers for them right. to hurdle over. They're already hurtling so yeah. many difficult barriers. So we just lay those barriers down and say, Welcome. Right. And yes. how can we help? And of course being married to an addict is frightening and and somebody who promised to be there and love you has just broken your heart. Right. And you're going to, you know, that's going to be difficult to yeah. navigate. So You're um, going to mourn the loss of the marriage you thought you had. We're going to have a lot of grieving in yeah. this process. And get through all of that before you probably even decide what it is you right. want to do. So we're just trying to make a soft place for for partners to explore their hurt and their yeah. grief and their loss. and make decisions from a very grounded place. Right. Because those are hard decisions yeah. that people often have to make. Yeah. So we um, about six months in and had so much great feedback so far. And it's evolving. You yeah. You know, I was the first to kind of put out that. <laughs> yeah. But I, so it's still evolving. I'm learning. I learn even from the clients. I give right. lots of great feedback on great. what works and what's, what, right. what doesn't. And so we're just in that development stage. Yeah. But I just want everybody, I just have this, Huge desire for everybody on the planet to know um, that if they ever thought of themselves as codependent or labeled themselves or had that negative view of themselves, that they right. don't have to carry that yeah. anymore. And they can actually be really kind and gentle and understand yeah. that um, if you had the courage to love somebody who was struggling, that's truly heroic to me. Right. I think the easy thing sometimes would be to just not think about it and let right. somebody go. Sometimes the harder choice is to stick in and yeah. and try to love somebody through such difficult things. Right, right. So I'll so. say to partners sometimes, okay, so we have this relationship that has been injured. Mm-hmm. You know, in the in the case of what I do, your your marital relationship or your um, committed relationship has been injured by some choices that your yeah. partner has made. Um, and so what I try and encourage them to do is to um, let's. Let's not detach all the way. Yeah. What about the relationship isn't broken? Because oftentimes you want to throw the baby out the bathroom. right? Right. But I'll say, what's not broken? And they'll be like, Well, we're we're good friends. We yeah. like to play tennis together. We, you know, we're actually really good parents, you know, to our kids, or we have common interests, um, or whatever that is. I'm like, why don't why don't we hold on to those things? Yeah. while we simultaneously work on the the damage. Instead of here, let's totally remove ourselves right. and maybe we'll find our way back right. someday if they get better or I want to. Right. Um, let's, for now, if you're able or want to, let's yeah. hold on to the things that are good while we simultaneously work on the injury. Yeah. Instead of total detachment. And right. most of them can resonate with that. They yeah. might not want to tell him I'm holding on. Right, or right, right, her. Right, right, They'll right. be like, I'm not, I don't want to tell him. Right, right,
0: right. That's
1: fine. That's <laughs> okay. But um, rarely is Everything broken. It feels like. like it, but usually there's a reason why we love, right. fell in love, why we stay together, yeah. and and why we've invested all this time and energy yeah. into each other. Um, so if we can, sometimes even as a therapist, we'll help be the guardians of that relationship yeah. for a time while they work on all the injuries, right. kind of go through the surgery process yeah. of working on that, and then they can come back, um, to these connections and figure out if those are enough they, with the work that they've done, maybe with their partner, if they're willing, if that, if that bond can be saved, if that connection yeah. can be, because if I let go of all of them, it's going to be much harder to come back to. Right. So we hold on to the attached part, you know, we try to keep them, keep them holding on to the things that, that do work. Yeah.
0: And I, I, I just keep wanting to say, thank you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, thank <laughs> you. Like, well, not just me. Hey, <laughs> I thank you. Yes. Well, because it kind of feels so black and white the other way, like either this is working or it's not. Mm-hmm. Not okay. Part of this isn't working, but part of this is. Mm-hmm. Like it's not
1: black and white. It's not like the injury will make you feel that way. Oh yeah. It's like you just want to go. It's all bad. Right. And that's a normal response. Right. That's totally typical injury response. Yeah. Um. So, but when we really sit down and piece it together, most will say, "Well, yeah." Why did he wreck it? We have a good plan here. Right. Dang it. <laughs> right. um, but this stuff is really injured, and I don't know if I can heal yeah. from this or not. Right. And neither do I. So right. So let's say let's start on that path. Right. And we'll see because a lot of it will depend yeah. on your partner's willingness right. to, you know, the addict's willingness to heal. Yeah. Do the hard work that he or she right. needs to do. So let's let's not future trip too hard on right. what it's going to be. Let's just take it a day at a time yeah. and see.
0: Yeah. And I have heard, you know, after a death or a very traumatic experience, never make a decision while you're in the middle of trauma.
1: Like, well, start. remember, we're not in our higher thinking brain. Right. We're right. in our limbic, we're in our fight-flight yeah. brain. So right. that part of our brain doesn't often make good decisions. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's, that's where our addiction lives. It's right. also where our heavy emotion lives. Yeah. So oftentimes we'll say... Yeah, if it's a good idea today, it'll be a good idea tomorrow or right. next week or next year. Right. Like, if it's a good idea, it's always a good idea. Right, right. So let's just give you the space to breathe yeah. until you're back in your executive right. function and you can make those big, life altering decisions from a really right. grounded place. Right.
0: Not, not. Yeah. We try and do that. Yeah, unless
1: there's really big safety issues. Right. Of if course. there's, you know, some type of uh, risk to physical harm, you know, to my right. Then we may have to make that decision in yeah. trauma, but um, those are definitely the exception and why right. we're working. Right. But if it's just, um, you know, I'm just really hurt and betrayed, yeah. then let's just hold off on big decisions yeah. until we, till we're on the ground a little bit, right? And if divorce is the right decision today, it will be the right decision yeah. later.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's, I think it's putting a therapist in a role of a support system instead of a. Um, I'm going I'm here to tell you what's wrong with you and fix you. Fix you. Yeah. I'm here to support you. Well and part you of the support
1: as a clinician is let me right. let me give you tools, let me give you yeah. ideas. Right. Um that can help in that support. Yeah. So you have things to lean on. Let's rebuild right. your structure under your feet so you feel like you have something to stand on. Right. So yeah, I definitely see myself in that role as a support. But also being a proactive support. Yeah. Like, here, let me give you things maybe you've never since you've never been through this before. Right. There's some things that usually help. Yeah. And um, in your way, let's figure out how to implement. Yeah.
0: It. Yeah. Let's give you some tools. And I'm so I'm so grateful that there's there's groups and programs like Sabre. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope it flies all over. I do. I, I hope. <laughs> any clinician can cause it. Right. Bec- because really the first time in any, you know, any time I have a I have a friend or you know, whose child got into drugs or whose child's dealing with something or whose husband's, the first (laughs) thing I say is, do you have a support system that understands exactly what you're going through? Not just friends, you know, that haven't really been through the same. You need a support system that understands, you know, maybe not the exact thing, but they understand betrayal
1: trauma or
0: um, a child on drugs or suicide or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is.
1: And I always talk about layered support too. You probably were familiar with this. Like, there's those people, my closest circle are going to be those. Those are those ones that um, you can just look in your eyes and they get you. You just know they get you. Right. Um, Then there's maybe that next rung, you know, where they are so loving and non judgmental. Yeah. Maybe I've been through the same things, but can still hold space for you. Right. And then there's the next rung where they know they love you, but they're more than your. Sympathy people, yeah, not your empathy people. People bring you a casserole, or right, right? Right. Take right. you to get a petty, right? And right, maybe right. your inner circle will do that right, too. Right. But you know, yeah, you know how much support they can offer. You, we need all of those rungs yeah. of support, but the most crucial is that inner circle. of yeah. uh, I always say, I'll call your tribe. Right. It's your people. Yeah. It's the people, hopefully, that um, can just really help sustain your yeah. pain and hold your pain. And even share the burden of your pain a little bit, right. and you might be able to do that for them. Right, a reciprocal relationship. Right, so they can do that. So, right. um, so support can't be overstated. Yeah, I mean it just can't. Yeah. Um. And yeah, the programming, uh, the saber programming. We know just from research that people heal better in a group format, in a with a support. People around them, right, um, in similar situations, right. Um, the outcomes are just better. Yeah. A therapist, you're paying the money to sit, and, and not that right. they're not sincere and caring, right. but you may question that. Yeah. You know, are they just telling me what I want to hear? Right, they just right, love right. me because. Right. Um, but somebody who is right. just there, dealing with their stuff, what motive yeah. would they possibly have?
0: Right. Right. Well, and you could—they're more available because there's not enough clinicians money better have very good boundaries you know and so and so there's and and i I love that idea because i don't i have really good friends but not everyone gets to hear my story Not everyone's no. safe with my entire okay. story but they're still good friends and i love to be with them I can say oh i'm having a bad day can you just can we go for a walk Absolutely. and that's okay but there are other people that i can call and i can say i just ate a whole bag of oreos yes. and they're like Okay, tell me what yes. happened. I've <laughs> you <know? been> there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or, or they know what that means to me. Yes. Like What my language when I said. What do you? I. yes, yeah. I
1: love you. Right. way, anyway, What can I? Yeah,
0: do? I just lost it on my kids. Okay, so is your house a mess? Like they know that me losing on the kids really means something else, and so they know they know my language. So yeah. someone says, okay, I just followed my husband all day long, yes. and they call someone in their group. Their group under. Okay, so what was the trigger? What happened? What made you? Yes. You know, they understand that. I just have to say this, but you know it means that's right. yes. Yes. you know, and
1: you you know that because you've, yeah. you you had that vulnerability exist in that yeah. relationship, and obviously it's reciprocal, right? Because they know how to respond and yeah. in what way because you've told them, right? This is what I need when I call. This is yeah. what I need, and that relationship can handle that kind of direct, right? You so, know, open vulnerability, yeah. Um, and I, going back to what you said a minute ago, I just, I agree with Brene. Not everybody has earned the right to hear yeah. a story. I feel like it's, um, there's a very, we have to be very selective. Yeah. Um, who gets to hear all of it? And, and we want to be cautious and put our toe in the water. I always tell people, test your relationships. Right. Even this much first. It's right. <laughs> Don't go in with the whole thing. <laughs> right, right. You know, now, test some relationships. Yeah. If you're struggling with connection, in you, There's somebody in your immediate you know, um, yeah. realm of influence or who's around you that you're interested in or you tend yeah. to connect with the things they say. Invite them to lunch and give them a small piece yeah. of your truth and see if they're safe with that. Right. Test the water. And then if they are awesome, you might have to, you might be onto something. Right, right, right. And if not, they might be the second round. Right, right. Don't throw them out. Yeah. like you're going to be my right. my pedicure friend. Right, or you're <laughs> going to be my lunch friend. Right, right. Um. So yeah, we don't have to move totally away. We just yeah. have to decide. You know what level of support they're going to be able to be yeah. for us. Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: And I, yeah. yeah, so I love that in the in the saber idea that there's support groups. There. And it.
1: we. And we, it's kind of, uh, they always say that um, re- recovery, if you're with a partner, recovery in that is like a three-legged stool. You have you have your recovery, um, you have your partner's recovery, and you have the coupleship recovery. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, the best outcomes generally are group therapy, individual therapy, and support system outside of that. Okay. Oth- oftentimes people do 12-step or some right. other type of support. Right. So um, support. The 12-step community... Um, is going to be another hurdle, I think, mm-hmm. for recovery, yeah. the recovering world because um, so much of their their things are rooted in codependent. Yeah. See? So people ask me a lot about that. Yeah. What do I say to my sponsor? What do right. I say? I love my 12-step group. Right. What do I say when they say, yeah, you're being codependent? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, um, so what I've been saying is, like any support, you have to teach them what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to say, just so you know, this is how I see it. This isn't me in denial. Right. This is how I see myself. Yeah. I don't see myself as a codependent. I see myself as somebody uh, who loves somebody dearly who's struggling. And I constantly am in need of boundaries and support. And, right. um, and if they can't meet you there, then you may need to adjust you know, you need to find somebody who can yeah. give them the book, have them read it, <laughs> right, right. And then come talk to me. Yeah, educate, <laughs> educate, educate. Exactly. Yeah. So that's there's been that's kind of what yeah. we've, you know that's kind of what we're talking about is that idea that showing love, compassion, empathy, support, right, is somehow um, unhealthy. And I just think. I just think we have to look at it in a less general way. Right. If what I'm saying is trying to fix somebody or control their life, right. I probably oh, right, need to right, myself. Right. But if I is, am coming from a sincere, honest place yeah. of care and concern and empathy, yeah. not sympathy, but my empathy, right. um, why is that a problem?
0: Yeah, let's define the difference between
1: sympathy and empathy. That's a big one. That's a big <laughs> grenade piece. She talks a lot about, you know, empathy is feeling with someone, sympathy is feeling for someone. So empathy would say something like, um, I am so glad you told me and I've been through such similar things, but I I just feel so honored that you let me into um, this piece of your life and um, is there anything I can do to be helpful? Sympathy is like, um, I feel so bad for you, that's just so sad. Yeah. Would you like a casserole? Would that be helpful? Right. That's not a bad thing, but it's not right. necessarily connecting with any part of you. Yeah. Empathy is more vulnerable because I have to I have to connect with parts of me that understand something that that person right. is going through. Right. So I have to show a part of me. Yeah. Um sympathy is more like, "Oh, dang it. That seems so hard." And yeah. I've heard people go through hard things like that. Right. And, you know, Here's this, right? You know, or anecdotally, here's a tissue, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not the handing a tissue yeah. is bad, but we just have to there's almost a condescending
0: tone, like they're like, that.
1: there, it's okay. Can feel like that. that, yeah. I've had yeah. situations where people have shown up empathic and it's blown my socks off, yeah. Like, I'm so glad you shared that today uh, in class, right? I have totally been through that too. I would love to talk to you more about it. I'm just like, what, right? Um, and then I've had someone be like, wow, that seems hard, yeah, like. You know, wow. You probably should find a therapist. Right? You know, <laughs> like
0: thank you, thank yeah. right. <laughs> you. Right. And, and maybe it's under part of empathy is understanding their language. You know, I, so I have three daughters, all very different, and I have one that has a very hard time finding a voice, mm-hmm. and she's she's a little bit like me. And so when she's mistreated, and she she calls me, and she's in college now, she calls me, and she tells me about someone. And the first thing I say, she's like what the first thing I say is, I'm on my way with A's. We are egging the Egg. house. <laughs> She knows we'll never do it. We have never egged anybody. But the thing is, is that's her language. Because to her, it's I have your back. If they hurt you, that's not okay. I with got you. Me. Right. I yeah. I got you. And so now it's their thing. Any roommate that has been wronged by a boy, they call me and I say, I am on my way with eggs. Whose house are we going to? You know, I mean, we really had never but that's the language she needs to hear is I have your back. And if you need a voice in this, I I I will stand right next to you when you have your voice. Like, I I am here. If I said that to another daughter, she'd be like, because she is a different person. How could you say that? We will never hate someone. Because she's a different personality. And empathizing with her, it means something totally different, you know. And
1: it sounds like she knows you know. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she yeah. Knows you know how she feels. Right. You right. Know, so there's yeah. there's that yes. like commonality yeah. there. I
0: understand what her language yeah. means, you know. Exactly. And that's the that's
1: that insight service. That's the that's understand. the empathy. Yeah. 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 That's the I get you. Right, I get you. I don't even know. I even Bernays says sometimes, like I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so honored that you told me. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah, like even saying I don't know what to say right now is right. a vulnerable thing to do. Right. Instead right. of trying to be anecdotal, well, yeah, I read this book or you should, right. you know, <laughs> right, right. Who yeah. Knows? Sometimes I see somebody to be like, well, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and <then, laughs> I'm right. sorry. Right. I'm sorry. I've been there too. Can you right. want a hug? Like, yeah, I know, you know. Yeah. Um, so just it's it's it's. Being, um, pur- it's purposefully showing up, yeah, with purpose and with intent, right? Um, and I understand. I, I, it's almost not judgmental when people don't, because I understand there's reasons why we yeah. don't show ourselves. There's reasons right. why we don't let people see. Right. Um, we probably have been injured in that way, or yeah. we have never been modeled, or we don't know how. Right. We don't know um,
0: how. And we I, might genuinely want to, mm-hmm. we just don't know
1: how. So I think we have to be really generous with our assumptions with other people too, and I I really love prodependency. It's a very generous, um, it's a very generous look at yeah. people who are in these situations. Um, it's not narrowing them in and putting them in a box, right? And treating them all the same in some ways. And um, I really like that generosity involved in that. I'm making the generous assumption that you probably did these things because you love. because you want connection, because this is your person. Right. Instead of, you probably did this because you're sick, and you probably had a dad who did this, and you probably are enabling it anyway. Like, to me, that's very unkind. Right. At at the very bottom rung. That's very Like, what were you thinking? It was like, I see your heart.
0: Like, you really
1: just wanted to love and help that person. And they may have done things that are totally unhealthy, but when I can come in with... I, when anyone approaches me with generosity, making the most generous assumption about why I did something, yeah. it invites me, even if I was completely ridiculous right. up with something, it invites, I don't know, it just invites this a desire for me to show up and right. to be honest and right, and to do whatever work I need to do right. gets to do better. Yeah,
0: um, and I think it looks at intent. And so my, so my husband and I, you know, when we have our little... We come from very opposite directions, sometimes even in, in our kids and the way we right. want to discipline them. And so when we can finally stop and say, you know what, I think our intent is the same. I think we want the same exact thing for our child. Yeah. Our goal is the same. Yeah. And so when we can just stop and look at the heart instead of the behavior and mm-hmm. say, because are you crazy? Do you want to do that with the kids? But to say, I think you want the exact same thing that I want. Yeah. You just see a different way of going about it. It changes everything when totally. we just see the intent. Jason loves that when I talk about it,
1: <laughs> right? So it's true though that right. goes that goes that goes under content. Yeah, You're, we're we're not focused so much on how we're doing it wrong or right, right. or what we're focused on. What is our common in, What's our intent? Yeah. What's our common goal? Right. And if they're the same, we can make a generous assumption. Right. And I always say too, in order to make generous assumptions, we have to have a good sense of ourselves. We yeah. have to know. Like we have to have some boundaries in our mm-hmm. life. We have to be able to delineate between what's ours and what's not, and right. and take responsibility um, appropriately right. for our own, and give other people responsibility for theirs. Yeah. So we have to have that in order for me to have enough space to say, they probably meant well, or you yeah. know, try and be generous with everyone. Yeah. because um, I think in general people are doing the best they can. Yeah. I I really believe that, I and I stick by it. No matter what anybody right. says, I think there's very few really, truly malicious people that I've ever encountered in yeah. this world. Um, we just are all on a journey yeah, with our own speed bumps and um, our own wrecks, our own messes that we right. make. And I just think um, that generosity can just go a long way. Yeah. And I find as I come from a pro-dependent perspective with people that I care about or people I work with. It invites, it actually invites self-reflection. It invites yeah. um, the safe space for them to sort out some really difficult things. Yeah. and, and um, we can stop defending ourselves. Yeah. I don't have to worry about that. We, we can stop defending ourselves. I don't have to put up those walls. I don't right. have to like put my gloves on. Right. I'm telling you what you've done is okay. Right. I'm not judging what you've done. Yeah. I understand why you did what you right. did. Right. Um, how can I help you from here? Right. Where right. do you want to go and how can yeah. I help you get there? Yeah. I think, and I think that's such
0: an important message and, it, and, and I'm learning that language with, with my own husband kids. You know, when they do something wrong, my kids feel bad and I could just, but I know your heart. I know your heart. Like I, I know you did something wrong and, and yeah, you're in trouble and you're going to be punished. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but I know your heart and I, I know you're a good person. Yeah. And. And just to be able to look at, at so that. I don't look at the then, behavior. I know, the right? I am yeah, the right. person, right? And I love the idea that in this protopendency and I don't know where on the journey it is, it's not saying there's no boundaries at all. No, right? But well, we you use, have to. We yeah,
1: for healthy to live in connection and relation to others, we have to have, um, we have to have delineation between us and another person. Yeah, uh, or else we would all be in each other's business and doing things right. that are not useful all the right, time. Right, 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 right. And I would let people into spaces that, you know, wouldn't be appropriate for right. me. Um, but I also like to say boundaries are almost, other than just safety boundaries, are often impossible to set in the early stages. Um, people get, I, the first time I heard boundary, I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I want right. like that. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's like, right. I don't need that. Right, Most right, Most people right. who've been in pain in anywhere are like, I need that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So I often tell them, take a breath, because we will organically get there. It will naturally happen as you start to heal. Um, And as we start to kind of piece through some of the injury, you'll start to figure out areas that you need to have, um, you need to sure up a little bit Mm -hmm. of um, protection or safety. Um, But it will come. Right. It will come very naturally. And usually if I try and do that too early, I always call them My clients laugh at me. I call them boundary burritos. They're like, they look like a boundary, but they're on the outside, but they're just control on the inside. Yes. So they're very sour. They don't taste very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we all have done it, you know, setting boundaries. Set a
0: boundary to control someone else instead of to protect ourselves.
1: Exactly. Yes, exactly. And boundaries are just a living breathing thing that we will constantly be working on right so it's not like I set boundaries and I'm good forever yeah. like because life continues to happen and right. the thing the boundaries I may have needed last year I don't need this year right. and I might not need 10 years from now but I'll need a whole different set right now I have grandchildren right. I, right. I don't right. right so we have to be really gentle with ourselves and really generous with ourselves, and just say look this is this is this is a work always in progress for me. Yeah. And I'm going to do what I need to take keep other people safe for me and right. be safe maybe from certain aspects of others. But I um, I'm not gonna set up walls or barriers because I know I need connection. Yeah. And in order to have the kind of love and connection we need, we will always take risk of yeah. injury. We will always Dang it. I right? know <laughs> We'll always risk injury. Right. We essentially hand the people we love our heart, yeah. and um, that's a part of connection. Right. We can't that's stay it. behind a wall and connect. No. So boundaries aren't walls. They're not barriers. They're just they're they're simple instructions about what's okay and what's not okay. Right. Right. Um, and sometimes we discover those as we go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we don't come with boundaries. Right. 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 <laughs> And here, and here's the thing I'm learning. that I'm like ticked about it. But I mean, because <laughs> you're right. We're handing our heart to someone when we love them. But here's the thing: we're handing them to an imperfect person. Always. And we're an imperfect person and we have theirs. having theirs, yes. and we're just hurting each other, and we're not meaning to. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm ticked about that whole concept. <laughs> but I'm learning to accept yeah. that if I am going to be vulnerable and hand my heart to someone, it there's going to be some hurt yeah. because. We are all trying and doing our best, but we're all imperfect. Yeah. We just are. Yeah. And, and I love, I love, it, it feels like this pro-dependency has a softness to it mm-hmm. like that. Like we're not expecting perfection. Even in the boundary, we're saying this is going to move and you might mm-hmm. need this boundary today, but in three weeks, this might not be an issue for you. Mm-hmm. And it's not this, oh, you got to place this or you're mm-hmm. doing it wrong. Yeah. It's just fill this out, see how
1: this works, and see how it needs to change. And there's just such a a relief. In well, those that. are the boundaries we'll hold on to anyway. Yeah. I mean, the ones when we're super rigid, usually if they have any rigidity to them at all, you got to look pretty closely at them because they probably have. There's probably a bur- there's burritos in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so we really do. I mean, it, it their boundaries should be the most natural thing that we yeah. do they won't feel natural at first because we come into this world naked and boundaryless right right right, right, right. we're totally reliant right. on all of our caretakers right. to set those boundaries and keep right. us safe as we grow and continue to mature in life mm-hmm. it's up to us to protect that that right. part of who we are and Um, it won't feel natural if I've never done it. Yeah. Um, I always say no one will ever thank you for having a boundary. I've never been thanked. (laughs) Usually we'll get the sideways glance, like how dare you and what are you thinking and who do you think you are? Um, so you're probably doing it right. If you get that. Yeah. But over time, as you become a more boundary person, um, healthfully boundary person, right. It will just be kind of a known thing, you know? Kim really doesn't, or, you know, I really don't do this. Yeah. This is something I don't really engage is. in. Or um, she really doesn't like it when, or, right. you know. And so it will just become a natural part of who we are. And it will yeah. feel unnatural to let things happen that are unsafe. Right. Or that are hurtful. Right. It will, it, But but I also find the longer we work on our boundaries, right. the less reactionary we are at yeah. boundary violation. Yeah. Um, and I can, think
0: the more... Um, the more a part of us they are. Oh, yeah. like, like a funny thing I don't I don't like a lot of swearing and it's funny to me that I could be with a stranger who will swear and look at me and say oh I'm sorry it's just kind <laughs> of I don't know how I give off that something, you know, something. <laughs> but, but it, it really just becomes part of who I are and people just kind of understand not that I judge anyone for no. it's so funny to me that they just know that that's yeah, something that makes me bigger. go or, yeah, yeah. It, it, but people know that because I think it's just and so when we have boundaries it becomes so innate yeah a part of us yeah that's
1: the hope yeah, we want to be able to yeah. to maintain that um, protection, you right. know. And we want to, and by doing that, we teach kids how to do it just naturally. Yeah. Or people we have influence over at all, yeah. you know, they'll kind of know. I, you know, if you go to someone and say, "Hey, you never have to worry about it," I'm just kind of that person that will just tell you, right. so "Never worry about offending me." Yeah, I'm kind of one of those people who just say, "How yeah. did you mean by that?" You know. Yeah. Um. So we can kind of set our relationships and 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 teach people how to treat yeah. us. Yeah what what we are okay with and what we're not right. and what we communicate And not with in with. a
0: controlling way teach them. Just no. in a way that they just they just understand that's how... Yeah. And I remember I live on that by the way this no one's ever thanked me for a boundary because you taught me that and I remember <laughs> I remember that a lot when I'm, I'm doing the really hard work. Yeah. But as I've learned to set boundaries and, and it's been twice this week that two people I've watched two people set boundaries um, in my family and one was even to me where I said I really I really don't feel comfortable doing that. And they were so uncomfortable. And I wanted to cheer them. I mean, when yes. you understand boundaries, you're just like, oh, Yes, you have thank you for saying that. And she was so afraid to say, I really don't want to do that. But but if we can understand this boundary thing, we can cheer each other's boundaries. Totally. And, and and you know, I'm telling her, please understand. I will always cheer you when you tell me no. Even if I don't like it. Right. If I don't <laughs> like it, I will be like, go you for having your voice and setting your boundary even when it's hard, like, you know, it really was hard for her to say, I really, I really don't want to do that. And she Mm -hmm. thought she was hurting my feelings, but really, and I wanted to do it. So I had to accept it, but I was like, go you. When we understand boundaries, we want other people's boundaries because it makes their relationship safe with us.
1: Right. And you know where you stand with people too. Yeah. You know, if you're with somebody who, you're uh, in a relationship with somebody who's pretty good at stating their truth and what they need and what they don't right. and setting those boundaries you those are relationships that you probably will rarely question yeah. you know where they stand yeah. um you know that if you're you've messed up or, or just right. said something stupid they'll probably say something or yeah. or they'll gently re reguide or or guide right. so those feel so safe to me those yeah. kind of relationships' i i'm not don't worry that i'll do something or say something. And they'll go home and re- be resentful about it and shut right. me out of their life Right. with me not having a clue right. about and what I, I did. did. <laughs> yeah. Like, tell me. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing about resentment. So, yeah. so one thing I've been trying to set a me
0: with is just my own personal space time, you know, like this time and this time. And I'm not good at setting it. I, I have a lot of kids at home, and so <laughs> I'm not good at setting it. But I'm mad at them when they come in between 8 and 9 in the morning. That's my time. And right. I'm going to have my personal time. And they come in, and I'm mad why are you coming in? but i never said to anyone
1: this is my personal time right
0: please don't come in between right. eight and nine because i'm having my personal time and yeah. i'm taking some self-care time right now they don't know if they knew they wouldn't come in but i don't tell them and then i'm mad at them yeah. when they do and so that's the thing about boundaries is we resent the people that cross them we, have to we forget to tell them that there wasn't no sometimes at all. we need them we need right.
1: sometimes we need to communicate in those situations we need to communicate yeah. Or people really don't know.
0: They really don't know. Yeah. and But then we resent them for crossing them. Well, and there's we
1: two kind of schools of thought on boundaries. There's the ones that I set for myself to keep other people safe. Yeah. Those are my internal stuff. Yeah. Like, as an example, I might ask for a hug instead of take a hug. Yeah. I, I don't tell people, I have a boundary. Right, it's right. just something inside of me where I'm like, because I don't know. Not everybody's comfortable with touch, yeah. And I, you know... I'm a come from a huggy family that hugs right. everybody, right. so we're boundaryless in that way. Right. Um, so I recognize that that's not something everybody's comfortable with. So yeah. I might say, "Are you open to a hug?" or "Would yeah. you like a hug?" and give them a chance to ask. But that's that's sort of an internal boundary for me. Yeah, I don't, I haven't announced it to anybody. Right. But I also think those internal ones are as important as the external ones for yeah. others because I feel like if we have a good sense of where we need to be careful, then we'll have such a better sense of the ones we need for other people. But sometimes people try to set those outward ones without knowing the inside ones. Someone told me once, if you... Um, have people uh, you have boundary violations in your life then you're probably a person who violates boundaries and I was like what? <laughs> what? You know um, That doesn't make sense I didn't That's like strange. it but there was some truth right. and and so it didn't mean I violated boundaries in the same way right. but I had to just look inward a little bit and say in what ways do I give you know i Right. I'm often guilty of giving advice to my grown kids yeah. when they don't want it. Or, right. I mean, that's an internal boundary for me. I yeah. ask them, are you looking for advice? Do you just want to talk? Right. Um, so boundaries are a complicated lifetime yeah. thing, but they are definitely a part of healing for anyone. Yeah. Not just addicts, not just partners, not just people who have emotional struggle, yeah. people who are healthy and seem to do yeah. life. Everybody needs Just those to keep us all safe, yeah. You know, to to help us all be safe amongst each other, yeah. Um, because a lot of the abuses that happen, um, sometimes happen because I didn't know I could say no, right? I didn't know that that wasn't okay, or I didn't want to hurt someone's feelings, I didn't want them to think less of me, yeah. I didn't want to make them mad, yeah. Um, and so sometimes we maybe have got we'll go along with things that are harmful to us just simply because we didn't know we had the right, right. You're um, hitting all
0: the key points. You must have done this before. I'm <laughs> like, every single one of them, I'm like, yeah, 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 that, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I talk for a living. <laughs> you might know something because you get all of mine right there. Well, right. and I know him personally. Like, right. I don't think
1: we can teach much. I don't think we teach anything we haven't tried to implement or, or, or aren't working on ourselves. Right. You know, I. I don't try and give my clients anything that I, I'll tell them. I I'm not having you do or say anything I haven't done myself. Right. I wouldn't do that. That seems very hypocritical. to me. Yeah. So I try and practice what I preach. I'm not perfect at that by any means, but I think, which is also what you preach, is <laughs> it's not being perfect. It's not. It's <laughs> right? not about perfect. It's just yeah. about getting on the path right. and being true as you can to yourself. Yeah. And I think um, in its I mean in its raw form is just being. Um, being okay with being human yeah. and having a human response to a really, to really hurtful things. Right. And um, I would encourage like get the book. Anybody who you can get it anywhere. It's not yeah. a hard read. And it's called Prodependence. It's called Prodependence. Okay. Uh, the little subtitles moving away from codependency. Uh, Dr. Robert Weiss is okay. the author. Um, and get it anywhere. And I would encourage you to read. And if yeah. you are in therapy or are currently working with a therapist, take it to him or her and say, will you please read this? Right. Um, I have yet to meet a therapist. I've got 50 therapists, right, about 50, who are in uh, what I labeled a think tank group with mm-hmm. me from all over the, the world um, who are helping us develop pro wow. And um, they are some of the most amazing therapists from all over. And um, so we've got a lot of brains yeah. trying to, to think and... And create um, something really good. Yeah. But if you, if your therapist doesn't know, and they may be using language that, you know, that you don't feel comfortable with, right? Take it to them and just ask yeah. them to read it with you. Yeah. I think a good therapist who wants to help you would be like, yeah.
0: Right. Right. Let me learn. Yeah. Let me learn, and and I'll take what's true to me, and it and it feels like. What you're saying is a lot of people are grabbing it. It just oh, yes. feels like truth to them. Yes, it I I, right. I get
1: uh, I um. Dr. Rob and his group that um, are in, his group get mm-hmm. probably three to four emails from therapists a day or people wow. um, just asking where can I find a yeah. group or where can I find a therapist. Right. Um, so it's forthcoming. Yeah. So everyone just do the best you can to breathe and be patient. Right. We're doing we're doing we're working we're moving as fast as we can. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention that. Um, uh, Dr. Rob, Dr. Rob has a uh, website called Sex and Relationship Healing. dot okay. com, um, and he has collected a bunch of phenomenal therapists that are doing pro bono, free wow. groups, webinars. Um, there's one or two a day or wow. more um, that for all sorts of issues, whether it's sex addiction or pro dependent partner dropping yeah. groups. I do a webinar, a pro dependent webinar, right. once a week on that site that anybody, you just have to register to attend and you can stay anonymous or be seen, yeah. it's up to you. Um, and you can just sit in any of these groups and learn for, and ask these therapists, have access to these therapists, yeah. including Dr. Rob two or three times a week, wow. um, and have access to them. Yeah, If you don't have access or you're not sure if you wanna see a therapist, it's not therapy, right. but it's it's a lot of therapists giving out a lot of really great information. Good education. So I would encourage anybody to get on there yeah. and. You know, register and attend. Right. Anything Give you the website again for us. It's sexandrelationshiphealing.com. Sexandrelationshiphealing.com. Yeah. Okay. And so um, you'll find me there on Fridays between okay. three and four. Um, I do well every first and third Friday. Three and
0: four Arizona time. Arizona time,
1: which always. is always Cause cause it's it's exactly not not out mountain North right, right. Three and four Arizona it's time. Arizona time. Right. Our own time. <laughs> So yes, it's uh, for every first and third Friday from okay. three to four is my interactive webinar, and you can kind of try and stump me with questions, or please do, and I do get stumped <laughs> a lot. So I have a moderator there that moderates my questions, but and we do teaching pieces. So I teach out of the curriculum that I've already written. I'll give little teaching pieces about rounding or shame or balance or whatever it is, and yeah. um, and then I open questions, and we have a great conversation about. From a pro perspective. Yeah. And those are some of the first available to the public. There's a drop in group, a pro based drop in group for male partners mm-hmm. that are married to female addicts, because that's not as common, female sex right. addicts. But growing, I think. hmm And then okay. there's two drop in groups, pro groups for partners of sex addicts. Okay. And all that information is. It's all on, on the website. website but okay. just want people to know that they're there is a resource yeah um we're trying to make online platforms available until the individual therapists start to pick it up and great and um and it just becomes more widespread yeah fantastic what would you
0: say to clergy who come to you addicted people come to you what would you say to clergy um
1: who are working
0: with who are working with addicted person an addicted person especially sex addiction i know that's kind of your that's what i do yeah, yeah your specialty so it's person who has a sex addiction comes into clergy what would you say to clergy Um, or a spouse let's do both scenarios uh,
1: uh, what would i say to the clergy about the person yeah about how to handle how to work with that person um clergy i find generally clergy to be very supportive and most are very supportive of what we do and we try to be very supportive of um them as well yeah um i think the most important thing is to for clergy to understand not to pressure themselves to know all these answers um i've spent eons and years and years learning and just like i don't try and be the clergy right right (laughs) if they have spiritual or personal um particularly spiritual issues and questions i send them to clergy and i don't try and answer those for them that's not my specialty my specialty is in mental and emotional health so Mm -hmm. i'll tell clergy Um, here's some basic things but get them to a professional that can help them if it's serious if it's an ongoing sex addiction and um, that addiction has been going on for some time and there's been betrayal in a relationship any of that and they've made attempts to stop and they can't Mm -hmm. usually prayer and scripture study and that kind of thing are good things but they're usually not anecdotally going to stop right a brain injury um, which addiction is an injury to the reward center of the brain. Okay. Um, those prayer prayer, and study and meditation are all good tools, but they're right. not alone going to heal. Right. It's going to take usually a longer period okay. of time of healing with a professional. If you're a partner who's in a relationship with a sex addict, the mm-hmm. um, first thing I would say is it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Um And there's nothing, again, you could have done or could do currently or will do in the future that will ever stop that behavior. Um, I would encourage you to find your tribe. Find people you can trust to start confiding in and place where people can kind of help to hold that heavy burden of pain that you carry. Um, I would definitely suggest a professional because there is a healing path and many, many professionals are trained just to work with partners of betrayed partners. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all sorts of wonderful professionals, and hopefully they'll start implementing more pro-dependent-based yeah. work, and if they don't, give them a book. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not your fault. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, do the best you can to rest, to eat, yeah. to find your support, and breathe in and out, and don't pressure yourself either to make a decision. Yeah. Um, find somebody who can help you navigate through the mess. Yeah. kind of through the aftermath right. of these decisions um, that's what I would say and there is absolutely zero wrong with your attempts to help and love this person Yeah. Um, and the fact that you love them is understandable Yeah. and the fact that you are beyond hurt about it is understandable because yeah. we only hurt to the degree we love yeah. so when people are hurting a lot I'm like you must have a huge capacity to love yeah because we hurt to that degree, yeah. So I see a lot of really loving people all the yeah. time who are, you know, who are in those situations and just looking mm-hmm. to find a safe place to navigate, yeah. navigate what's what's going on in their life. So find your people. Thank you. Yeah. Okay,
0: Kim Buck, clinical director at Family Strategies, and how can they contact you?
1: Um, they FamilyStrategies.org. Okay. Is probably the easiest. All of our contact information is there. Okay. Um, and I'm in Mesa. I'm based in Mesa, but uh, my email's there as well. You okay. Can email me um, questions, concerns, thoughts. Fantastic. I'll do the okay. best I can to answer. Okay. And be available. <laughs> right. um, or so, direct them to someone. Who's yes. <laughs> and, and I'm the director. We have 21 clinicians, and Fantastic. 13 of those, are, I believe, are 12. 12 of those are CSAT, certified sex addiction therapists. Wow. Um, which is not an easy thing to get, so almost half of us are certified that way, and most are uh, trained very specifically in partner and addict work, so Fantastic. we have a large group of a lot of different personalities and yeah. different sex and age, and hopefully we, we should have somebody that will help. Yeah. be able to help. That will fit, okay, and we'll put a link of familystrategies.org, that'd be
0: great, down below somewhere. <laughs> Thank you, Shalise, for okay. having me. Oh, no.
1: I appreciate Thank
0: you, it. oh my goodness. Thank you for tuning in. Please like and subscribe. It helps our algorithms so we can be seen and heard.